0: Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by David Housden for Disney Illusion Island, which is a co-op platformer. You can play as Minnie, Mickey, Donald, or Goofy, and it's just a delight. It is Metroidvania and the type of platformer that just makes you want to keep playing. I absolutely loved the time I spent with it. When I interviewed David, I only had access to four tracks, but you'll get to hear a lot more music than that. So David and I go through those four tracks, but then, of course, uh, a lot more is uh, stuffed into this episode. And it's perfectly Disney, this music, with all the twists and turns you'd expect from this type of, you know, cartoon soundtrack and so different than what we've talked about with David in past episodes. All right, join us on Discord. That link is down in the show notes. Talk to us about this and other episodes. Please subscribe and like and get all the notifications and stuff on YouTube, that helps us out a lot. You can check out this conversation uh, there as well. And if you can support us financially, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash level. We are so grateful. All right, here's David Houston talking about Disney Illusion Island.
1: Island. It's a um, well, not only Mickey Mouse. I was going to say it's a Mickey Mouse Metroidvania or a Mickey Vania, as uh, the studio have been tag nice. taglining it. But it's actually Mickey and Friends. So you can play as uh, Donald, Goofy, Minnie, or Mickey. And I guess it's a kind of spiritual successor to those amazing kind of um, Disney uh, Virgin Interactive games from the '90s on the SNES and Mega Drive, say so Castle of Illusion, World of Illusion um quackshot which is one of my personal favorite games of all time probably like the best child To that oh yeah no honestly i like that that was very much my like mega drive was my first console growing up so like i have so much nostalgia kind of attached to those titles so to be able to work on the new version of that uh, as an adult is like literally just a childhood dream come true so um yeah it's, it's, it's but yeah sorry the game um it's <laughs> it's, a me- it's a it's a D platform metroidvania um there's no combat in it the emphasis is very much on uh traversal and the joy of movement and it's all about kind of um you know uh enemies actors obstacles to be avoided rather than to be engaged with um uh in a traditional kind of metroidvania sense Um, which is amazing if you're anything like me and love stuff like Ori and Hollow Knight but just fucking suck at it basically (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: I think there's a big market of people who really want to enjoy these games and just kind of chill in a kind of um, absorbing like the beautiful uh, atmosphere and um, you know traverse around these great environments and hopefully enjoy the music but without necessarily having quite such a severe uh, combat and platforming challenge and you know that's really what this game does
0: I love the art. I love how the backgrounds are just reminiscent of the hand-drawn backgrounds from, you know, the 40s. That whole, like, Looney Tunes and Mickey Mouse era, right? And it's like, uh, I didn't mean to, sorry for saying Looney Tunes Disney, but... (laughs) 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 But, but, you know, know yeah, of course. It's just, I loved that. And, uh, you know, those hand-drawn backgrounds are so simple because they had to hand draw them. And so it mm. really puts the focus on just the, the movement and the joy of just bouncing around, you know, it's super mm. fun. And the co-op no, thing too, like, I love that. I love that it's co-op.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can, you can play with up to um, four people, which is um, a lot of fun, if slightly chaotic, but yes. uh, yeah, a new dimension to the play. And it's, it's a great thing to do with friends and family and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. So let's talk about the music because I got four tracks and, you know, wanted to hear more. So I fired up the game and there's so much cartoon writing, right? Which didn't occur to me as I was, I mean, of course, when I listened to the four tracks I got, you can tell it's family friendly right. Disney times, but you know, then you see the way the cinematics unfold in in the game, and you're like, "Oh my God, he's scoring a cartoon, which is really yeah. hard to do. so so talk to me about writing in that style.
2: um
1: yeah, I mean, as you very rightly said in the introduction it's uh, it's about well, certainly for me, it's about the the most difficult job that I could possibly have been given. I have you know no experience in writing for that sort of thing and so much respect and admiration for anyone who does because it is just so noty and complex and just um i don't want to say creatively stifling in terms of the amount of kind of hit points that you have to catch and stuff but it's not as simple as just kind of you know writing a piece and letting it flow in the way that you you might like to you you really do have to uh, synchronize and gel with um what's happening visually and you, you're part of a um a homogenous uh kind of like what one one affects the other and vice versa and there's no way around that um so yeah it was, it was a very very steep learning curve If i'm going to be honest with you um the the studio um Delala, the la la absolutely incredibly bunch of talented folk and i had the pleasure of working with them on uh battletoads um yeah when was that a few years ago now like 2020 maybe um and i guess that um for some reason they felt that after writing an 80s hair metal soundtrack, I'd be a good person to ask to do the most kind of convoluted, complex, uh, classical um, cartoon orchestrations that you can imagine. Uh, I wasn't going to tell them, uh, no, obviously, but uh, <laughs> there was a lot of work to do. There was a lot of studying to do. Like, I feel as a composer, I have grown more in uh, this development cycle than I probably had in my previous sort of seven or eight years. Um, mm. And, you know, I had to do uh, so, so much studying, so much active listening, so much research um, because this opportunity was in- incredible. And I certainly wasn't going to be the one that let the team down when when you've got these just incredibly talented artists and designers and everyone's at the absolute top of their game. like I had to I had to produce a score that was worthy of, you know, being part of the Disney uh, mu- musical universe and um Uh, hopefully hopefully we've managed that
0: (laughs) (laughs) i can think of worse things to have to do a deep dive on
1: yeah i had to uh had to update my disney plus subscription for sure (laughs) and uh my uh my partner was um absolutely loving because she's obsessed with disney so just you know having to having to watch all of these films and uh particularly the mickey shorts that was a massive reference point um but yeah you know we really tried to kind of capture the spirit of um because mickey's gone through so many evolutions over time and i think this was this was something that i i kind of had to learn for myself because i always thought mickey and you know just what i would associate with general disney music were kind of synonymous with one another but um it's actually a really big distinction there and I, I wasn't aware of this until you know D- Disney themselves kind of told me because my initial explorations were kind of um I guess more in the sort of 90s renaissance you know Alan Menken, big sweeping romantic kind of sound I thought uh-huh. you know that, that that's Disney and uh, that will get us in where we need to be and then we can start to look to play with it after that but no they they were very kind of quick to point out that, you know, M- Mickey has his roots in Ragtime, Timpan Pan Alley, um, you know, because that's music that was popular in the 20s and the 30s when, you know, the character was conceived and those cartoons came out. So naturally that's kind of now become synonymous with him. Um, but what I noticed as I kind of did my research and I was watching all, all of these shorts and stuff is that there are really no rules anymore when it comes to the, uh, the music for, Mickey, that it tends to be dictated by his environment and the context of the story that he's in. Um, so in terms of the genre of music and the uh, the palette of the instrumentation, it can really be anything and is anything from heavy metal to jazz to kind of EDM in place. So if they're trying to do like a funny skit, it really does change like that much. Um, so on that sense, I felt like I kind of had carte blanche to explore what I wanted to. But the thing that connects all of it stylistically is these chromaticisms and accidentals from way back in those kind of early 30s, you know, that, that yeah. Steamboat Willie kind of sound. That's the thing that links it all together. So and that's what I wasn't doing initially. And like what once I kind of absorbed that and took that in, that was really when I feel like we started to find a sweet spot with it. And that's when the voice of the game kind of came through.
0: Notice those chromaticisms because everything is so otherwise sunnily diatonic, right? Everything, everything is oh, from yeah. whatever key you wrote this in, everything is in there except that, you know, but then you're like, nope, we're going to mix it up a little and put in these sharp fours or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I really loved that because, you know, it, it gives it a character. And I think, too, you know, just to kind of comment on what you're saying about the sound... Of Mickey, it's like when that was created, all of the music was used in a modern way then, right? You know what and, I mean? Like they're referencing popular music from that day in those yeah. scores. So it makes total sense that there would be EDM now because that's yeah. a modern reference. You know, it's like yeah. this is, it's it's cool how they, how they've done that, you know, how they've maintained nice that connection to reality in a way you know
1: yeah no for sure and you know don't get me wrong like the it it's definitely the majority of it is all still orchestral it's just yeah you know they, they lean in different directions and they they pull it all together in a way that somehow still feels congruent and the reason that it does is because you know harmonically and melodically they're still using exactly the same devices regardless of if it's with a Let's pull through a, a messy boogie stack or, uh, you know, a 60-piece orchestra uh, with, playing with tons of vibrato and old-fashioned mics. But, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's all good stuff.
0: So is that what it was, a 60-piece orchestra with old-timey mics? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so I wanted, I wanted to be really faithful. Um, well, cool. as faithful as I in terms of creating a production aesthetic. Because the writing, uh whilst I definitely, you know, had to do my my tips of the hat to where we came from and stuff, I, I also didn't want to kind of ignore what the audience perception is of a modern Metroidvania uh, 2D platforming experience. So, you know, you've got your uh Rayman Legends, your um Hollow Knights, your your Ories, um, mm-hmm. you know, that there's uh, games which are literally renowned for just having incredible soundtracks and you know really modern feeling contemporary fantasy scoring um you know obviously still with the orchestra but you know it's it feels like it's on the cusp of orchestral scoring rather than dipping into the past so um my, i think my writing uh naturally is of a, a more kind of modern style in terms of like the harmonic and melodic sequences that my ear tends to lean to just because i've brought up you know playing rock and pop music i guess yeah i've been giving an orchestra to work with instead of a few idiots with guitars on the stage with me so um it's you know it's like (laughs) some of those songwriting sensibilities you know i'm I'm never gonna lose them because they're so ingrained in who i am as a writer but you know your your changes and your um your references definitely uh change an awful lot so yeah there's there's a ton to consider um but, um, yeah, sorry, I've meandered now. No, not at <laughs> so, all, not at all. Talking about the band days in the first 10 minutes, that was good, wasn't
0: it? <laughs> so, uh, with the orchestra, did you use certain instruments? How did you use the orchestra? Did you use certain instruments for certain characters or, um, you know, in a motivic way, what did you do with, with the, the players? Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. No, that's what we were talking about. We were talking about the, the orchestra and the production. Yeah, yeah. No worries. So yeah, yeah, sorry. It was it was uh, a 60-piece uh, ensemble we recorded with the um, Nashville Scoring Orchestra at um, Ocean Way. And oh, fun.
0: Did you come over for that?
1: Yeah, I certainly did. Yeah, I had to get my fix of uh, American food and goodness, so yeah.
0: <laughs> Nashville's a good place to do it. I haven't oh, done it yeah. since I was a child, but I... I yeah yeah, that'd be a good spot but go on and the
1: music scene there is just absolutely incredible like every every single night you know you're just walking along and there's bands playing and uh it's it's a a really cool place like yeah i love going um i recorded there on um an earlier project um called lost words a few years ago and i had such a good experience there i just felt really at home and um it was quite intimidating for me at the time because it was my first time working with a uh, uh, live orchestra um, but they, mm-hmm. they were just so accommodating and, um, uh, and you know most, most importantly they've all did an incredible job with it so I felt very safe kind of going back there um, with this and the weight of responsibility that came with it I knew that I could produce the results I needed to with them and they were absolutely fantastic and um, you know we spent some time with the uh, engineer and the um, contractor beforehand uh, to kind of you know discuss this past meets present kind of aesthetic that i wanted to try and capture so the writing is you know in places at least you know kind of more what you'd expect from contemporary modern scores however you know we've we've set up you know a, a old-fashioned decketry at the front of the orchestra and we've got some uh, ribbon mics on the outside and um my, my orchestrator uh, evan rogers um it's just an absolute um beast when it comes to you know detail and you know he threw himself into those kind of old scores to look for you know what the um what what the notation uh well, and what the directions were to the players to kind of achieve that sort of classic sound so e- even though uh the writing was you know slightly more modern certainly you know in terms of uh structure and form uh more more, more pop sensibility than kind of classical um but we really tried to Get like some of these old school techniques in there, so it, it felt nostalgic yet present. So yeah, it's like uh, it's like juxtaposition there, I know, but uh, that was that was basically the goal of what we were trying to achieve. to the writing um no we we didn't actually do character themes i'd say um the brief for the game was really to um bring this uh, fantasy world to life that they created so it was all about giving these environments their own distinct personality and um I mean, what I was actually told is that they wanted it to feel like you were walking through Disneyland uh, as you're exploring mm-hmm. uh, this world. So, you know, how, you know, you kind of walk into these um, very visually distinct different areas in Disneyland as you make your way around the park. Um, that, that's what they were trying to kind of recreate um, in the world of Monoff here. And they wanted the music yeah. to, to match with that. So, um, yeah, it was really like giving each environment its own distinct kind of theme and personality was really the way we did it. So more uh, Final Fantasy 8 than Final Fantasy uh, 7 <laughs> that was that was you my nerd. touch for it
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: guilty
0: Well, let's just talk about each of these tracks. So Crescent okay. Hamlet. Uh, oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. Good oh, good. Well, that. tell me why. So <laughs> what, what's happening in the game here? Because this one adds a little bit of a slower tempo. So I'm like, hmm, maybe we're yeah. not platforming here. So so talk to me about what's this going is, on.
1: This was me fulfilling uh, one of my composer bucket list uh, items, which was to write a, a cozy village uh, sort of fantasy theme uh, for a game because they're always my favorite pieces of music. and yes. of a big... RPG nerd if my previous comment didn't quite give that away and uh, (laughs) (laughs) like the peaceful village themes are like nine times out of ten end up being my favorite pieces of music in the entire school In the game, Crescent Hamlet is uh, literally a sleepy kind of seaside town where not not a lot happens and it's a slower pace of life and stuff. So it, it does provide a, a bit of a break, for, as you as you rightly assumed, from um, the slightly more sort of frenetic uh, platforming pace and uh, other areas of the game. So um, it really, it was just my opportunity to go to town and kind of just, you know, s- stick a big hook in there and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, get the heartstrings going, so yeah. Yeah, I had great fun with it. And yeah. uh, we had Kristen, Kristen Nygus, a um, uh, good friend of mine, obviously appears on every, every game that comes out these days, but yep. she um, played the low whistle solos and the uh, tin whistle and uh, a myriad of other instruments that um, I, I couldn't possibly begin to name. But yeah, she's on there a lot.
0: I was going to ask you about the tin whistle because i that pops up a couple different times i really i really love yeah. that and i love that that's chris uh kristen yes. um so she plays that then all over i assume because forgotten farmlands yeah. there's also tin whistle or penny whistle in that's there that right. i loved yeah
1: yeah well uh i feel like the um as well as well as uh, what we were discussing earlier in terms of um the kind of uh, the writing techniques that really capture that Mickey sounds that you know the 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 chromatics and the tympan alley um sort of uh, harmonic style. Um th- there's also there's also tropes in terms of the instrumentation that I felt it was important to lean into to really dial us in. So even though we weren't specifically writing a theme for Mickey per se, it was important that it still felt like a Mickey adventure. So you know um switching in uh whistles for melody lines um rather than you know uh core anglais or um you know uh oboe or something which is a very very easy way to kind of quickly dial yourself into that slightly quirky uh sort yeah. of mickey sounds um and it was an in- interesting to you know play with a different color as well because it's not something I'd usually choose to write with, um, and we actually <laughs> right. took it one step further. And um, so, on forgotten Farmlands in particular, um, mm-hmm. as you mentioned that, um, I reached out to a guy called Eric Bradley, who um, he actually provides the um, official whistle for Mickey Mouse in their cartoons. So we had the privilege of being able to work with him. Uh, in you know, it, it wasn't the colour I wanted to overuse, but. Um, I think in certain tracks it adds such a nice highlight and really does just kind of tie you into you know the uh, the world of uh, Disney and Mickey uh, oh. in a really interesting way. So that that was another very cool little little thing that we sprinkled in there.
0: Yeah, and we're talking about the human whistler, right? The person sure, yes. who's actually yes, yes. whistling. Which I I'm a whistler. I'm not that good of a whistler like that guy, but I mean I. I t- and sometimes I just catch myself doing it, and I know not everyone likes it, so you're just like, stop stop <laughs> whistling right now. Like, my neighbors are probably aiming down the sights or something right now to get me to stop whistling, but I, I got a big kick out of that because, of course, it reminds me of Jiminy Cricket. I mean, that's like when you wish upon a star, yeah, oh yeah, you yeah. know, has, has the whistling in it, so it's, Absolutely. yeah, it's totally yeah. a Disney thing, and, and I love yeah, the, the Steamboat
1: Willie really, uh, original cartoon, yes. you know, you know that's his thing, isn't it? So um, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. But as, as you, like you said, it's also why I didn't want it to be on every track. Just
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much of a good thing and all yeah. that. So, yeah,
0: I was trying to do the octaves, like I was like trying to do the octaves like he does. And I was just like, I couldn't. I could. I well, for one thing, I don't my range is weird my whistling range is weird and it's whatever we could talk oh, about right, that yeah. another time but yeah so no, it's- his,
1: his ability was um very uh very kind to my writing because it wasn't as you rightly just pointed out it wasn't a very kind melody to give someone to try and uh whistle <laughs> and I, I, you know I'd, obviously you're sitting this is the curse of the composer you know you're sitting at home you know everything you're doing everything on your Right. keyboard you, unless you have um, some actual knowledge of the instrument that you're writing for you know often some, some things tend to uh, get lost in translation when it comes to putting it uh, out onto the stage as opposed to how it sounded uh, on your computer and stuff and, um, mm-hmm. but no he was just that good that he, he made the writing sound good so it's writing <laughs> yeah I loved it
0: That's also Forgotten Farmlands is the track that you turn into a waltz at some point, which I loved.
1: Oh, that was so much fun. So much fun. That was like the first track that I wrote for the game. Um, That's why it's got all of these kind of, you know, quite stylistically different sections in it, because I was essentially trying to summarize in one piece my vision for, you know, um, what the game was going to sound like, I suppose. So I, you know, throwing all of these different ideas in there and it ended up being this really kind of, eclectic mix of three or four different styles of orchestral writing I suppose um, hopefully it threaded together okay <laughs> <laughs> well it got, it got me the job at the end of the day so it must, it must have been fine but yeah that was like the first piece that I wrote So, oh, uh, wow. and it's one of the first things that you hear in the game as well so I do have um, a big soft spot for that piece for many reasons
0: Uh, and then Grayzar's workshop, right? Uh, I, I assume it's Grayzar. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Loved the woodblock, which you hear in other tracks too. That's such yeah, a cartoon that's
1: a repairing device. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, just kind of has this impish, devilish kind of uh, mood to it. So, which is fun. So, talk to me about that track.
1: Definitely, that was, I think, the last track that I wrote for the game I um, mean, certainly for the last area in the game it's possible that the boss theme came after that but it was one of the last tracks i wrote for it so i feel like i'd started to find my feet a bit more um by then and i was able to but this piece definitely came a lot easier to me than some of the others did I feel like I was nicely in the zone then so I'm really proud of it on a personal level but um yeah also I really like it because it's you know just darker than the rest of the score and after writing so much happy music <laughs> in a major key it was nice to uh you know just go on the go on the darker side a little t- a little bit and um you know it was kind of it's still obviously playful like not literally trying to scare people but it's just you know more kind of Haunted mansion, Casper, you know, um, yeah, D- Danny Elfman uh, sort of style, um, yep. the darkness, I suppose, rather than you know actual horror scoring. So, um, but no, it was such great fun to you know just uh, write in a minor key uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, just sort of explore some of that slightly darker side of Disney while still trying to you know keep it uh, fun, family friendly, and stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, major key is not the easiest for most composers. I think most composers. Maybe not most, but I've certainly talked to my fair share of composers who are like, ah, yeah. major. <laughs> like <laughs> like it's so it hard people like, feel happy, Come happy on. Yeah. all the time. It's, you know, <laughs> and I think part of the reason is cuz as opposed to there being, you know, dozens upon dozens upon dozens of types of minor scales, there's literally one major scale. <laughs> So I think that's that might make it hard too. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on what it was like to do this happy. No, you're right. It's
1: it's seen as you know I guess low hanging fruit or um, uh, I don't know uh, easy overly overly childish perhaps to have an entire score um, in that style, which is why I personally found it so refreshing to see um, Grant Kirkhope and. uh gareth Coker's uh music for um rabbits um recognized uh rightly by um so many award bodies um this year because normally regardless of the quality of the writing or how well it lends itself to the experience you i don't know if i call it like snobbery but it does feel like if you if you write music which would be perceived as being for a slightly you know younger crowd or less mature crowd then it's assumed that the music itself must therefore be you know kind of uh easy or um yeah. overly accessible or obvious perhaps but you know, there's, there's some incredibly complex writing in that score and um yeah that, that's really interesting to me because i i tend to be um, far more minimalist in my writing I, I you know try and convey as much emotion as i can without over Uh, the message because i feel like that's the most effective way to communicate with people um most of the time um but if you're writing for um, a project or an intellectual property which has its roots in a particular style of music and that happens to be a very complex style of music then you'd be stupid to ignore that so um it was a really interesting challenge for me and um like it is like you say you know um major writing in a major key on the face of it perhaps isn't as interesting or challenging as um writing for the minors because of the different variations that you have there however like the amount of modulating that we do in this score and you know the the because of the um the timpan um influence being so strong as like it is major key but you do so uh, so many interesting things within that like of course i, I constantly kept on my toes but i was doing like the active listening uh for the projects at the beginning to uh, dial my ear into you know what are the what are the key characteristics of this style of music like what what do the best people who've written in this genre like what did they do to kind mm-hmm, of like, mm-hmm. capture what they did you know like i, I pages and pages and pages of notes because it just changes so much like you you start off in one place you end up in another and then you read the. you know it, it's it's mm. it's constantly adapting and evolving and mm. um yeah there was never a dull day on the job I, gonna, yeah. I can assure you i'm quite looking forward to uh just not having to key change or do anything uh right. for a while. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and minutes, i think
0: but, uh, I, I may have <laughs> missed M- m- like misspoke that question because i meant to imply that major is really hard i think i think major oh, right. yeah sure. yeah i think so i i apologize for maybe sounding oh, no, at all opposite, no, no. but yeah i think no, no, i think me. major right. major yeah. music is a huge challenge because mm. i think um you to know. make it compelling right yeah, you have to make it compelling, and and not everybody is happy all the time. And you have to no. write happy music. You know, I mean, I think it's hard. I think no. it's really,
1: really. And good music tough. does have light and shade in it. Um, yes, I'm like, I, I really yeah. naturally attracted to contrasting music. Be that through um, the, the use of um, the, the contrast of major and minor in our harmonic sequences, or um, be it uh, our, our use of uh, palette or. Uh, color like uh, our our ears are attracted to change so having to kind of as a prerequisite like stay in one particular zone and not really being able to touch too much uh, into uh, that that other side of emotions um, it it does present challenges but I always find that um, constraints breed um, creativity more often than not and if you actually have some parameters that's that can be incredibly inspiring in terms of how you how you how you look to still write compelling music within um, this box and you know to uh, I mean Thomas Was Alone was really a great example um, of that because I had like nothing I had like two octave MIDI keyboard and one set of VST so I had to make a score with that stuff because I don't have anything else right. and then you find different ways of you know trying to be creative within that so in Illusion Island like obviously the majority safe for the areas where we were allowed to kind of go darker, such as the boss encounters and Grace's workshop, as you pointed out. The rest of it is really kind of, you know, it, it, I, had to, I had to reflect the landscape and the environment that the artists had created and it was a beautiful, happy, fun cartoon world. So, you know, what, how, how can I then be interesting within that and that, that you know, that, that was super interesting for me.
0: To this, we'll we'll talk about the title track, uh, main theme situation here in just a moment. But um, you know, you mentioned early on, and um, this conversation, and also when we spoke in 2015, I just feel awful about that. It's not right. Um, <laughs> <We> <laughs> it's will, a matter. won't me.
1: let it go another eight years. I can <laughs> yeah, assure that's, you. That.
0: That's for sure. Um, uh, that you know, you're a guitar guy. And your background is, uh, you know, bands and punk and pop. And I know you love prog rock and stuff like that, I think. So, um, how does that influence the way you write? Because I, I think you mentioned that you write on a keyboard. Do you ever write on guitar?
1: Um, honestly, Emily, very rarely these okay. days. Um, I think that's why uh Batter Toes was such a fun project for me, because it enabled me to actually go back and um, revisit my comfort zone and, uh, you know, really kind of dial in on uh, what, what I was, uh, well, what, what I was best at. I'm certainly a better guitarist than I am a pianist, although wouldn't particularly want to have to perform uh in public on either but uh <laughs> definitely not. I certainly know where where i am with a guitar more um i can say that with absolute confidence so um yeah so being tasked with an entire score which is essentially you know crazy 80s hair metal is um a super fun excuse to you know get the get a les Paul out and uh have some fun nice. again but um no otherwise it, it does tend to be uh, all on keyboard um in, in my um most of my other work i find a way to work some guitar in there as you sort of rightly picked up on i'm a huge um sort of post-rock um fan and i think one of the one of the thing that tends to thread some of my schools together even though they're they tend to be very different from one another because of the genre that i get asked to write in changing on almost every time um but you know having some of that um sort of post-rock uh, influence in there um, it is a recurring device that I lean on um, just because it is pro- probably my favourite genre of music I think it's the most some of the most beautiful and um, emotional uh, music anyway and uh, in particular there's a band called um, Hammock that I absolutely adore and I just think they're the best but you know for, for my personal taste they're you know, certainly you know my, my favourite band and um, I always think if I can write something half as beautiful as they do in their music and I've I've done a very good job on a on a project so I, I, I do you know try and sneak that kind of thing in but obviously wasn't going to be appropriate this time around unfortunately right. but uh <laughs> no I'm looking forward to my next excuse to do something on guitar it would be nice if it happened more often uh, really but um mm-hmm. it's weird like I I Whatever the opposite of typecasting is, seems to be how my career is going. Every single project is so vastly different from the next one. It's it's a really fun way of working, but um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, when we talked back in the day, we talked about volume, and Thomas was alone, and those two scores are so different from each other, right? Like there, right? Yeah. so <laughs> different, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I had a, a full size keyboard for volume, so that that helps. That helped, but... <laughs> made
0: a difference. <laughs> And I mean, yeah. I know it's, t- speaking of low-hanging fruit, it might be kind of a, an easy throwaway question to be like, what's changed since 2015? But, you know, I think there's value in talking about that. What, how the landscape has changed for you as a composer since 2015? What's what's that been like?
1: Um, well, significantly, really. I feel like I was quite privileged to enter the industry when I did because it was still the back end of the um, indie boon at the time. And um, Mm -hmm. if you could get your game on Steam, it basically meant that you'd been a financial success and uh, certainly you'd get enough eyeballs on it that if it was a good game, you'd probably get critical success as well. And um, very fortunate that Thomas was alone, enjoyed um, critical acclaim and it it sold very well. purely by get being on Steam because it was a closed platform place at the time. But um, yeah, he, he, even in the development cycle, after, so I think Thomas' was loan was 2012 or 2013 perhaps, and then Volume was 2015. And even in those few short years, um, like Volume still sold a ton of units and it did very well financially, but the marketplace was so much more saturated then. We didn't get anywhere near the same level of sort of press attention pull out and obviously it was a different game as well so i'm not i'm not for a second sort of suggesting that it was you know on the same level as someone's game. but it it uh i i was surprised at how much less the coverage was relatively speaking even in that kind of short period of time and yeah. then things have only continued to become more saturated since then with um, steam uh green light system and uh multiple other marketplaces opening up um it depends how you look at it, really. I, I'm always a glass half full kind of guy, so I, I just think, you know, m- more opportunity, you know. <laughs> and also the more games that come of like, they're not all going to have great music, so if you can still, you know, find a way to cut through the noise and to do your best work that you're capable of every single time, um, people are going to notice because not not all games do have, um, you know, awesome soundtracks, and just, just like, you know, film and TV in that respect. But, um, you know, a marketplace being saturated inevitably means that more people are coming through and that the quality level isn't going to be as high as when, you know, when I, when I was first getting into it, there was like maybe 10 or 12 guys and girls who would get the biggest and the best gigs every single year. And that hasn't really changed too much. If you look at the kind of core of AAA composers, there's probably, you know, maybe, maybe 15 recurring names that you see if that, frankly um mm. pe- people like to stick to what they know at a certain level and i feel like the more experience that i've built up over the years um uh, the more trust that i've been given you know e- each project that i work on is a larger one in terms of you know kind of finances and scope than the previous one um so i not, na- you know obviously not working on triple a titles at the moment but certainly they're not indie games anymore either you know you're working with teams of Forty plus people and incredibly large IPs, and um, mm-hmm. the weight of responsibility um, that comes with that is obviously massively increased as well. And um, you can't just uh, go about your go about your life in the same way that you would when you were <laughs> working on in uh, indie games for one person in their bedroom. But yeah. it's nice, you know. It's, it's 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 it was the dream to be able to um, you know obviously work hear your music brought to life by the most talented players in in the world it's an incredible feeling and certainly not something that's ever going to get old for yeah. me um so yeah no it's it, it's nice that things have developed the way that they have but also i can definitely kind of recognize and appreciate that the industry um has <clears throat> it's probably as hard to get into now as it ever um has been but at the same time there is a hell of a lot more opportunity um Uh, than there was uh, when I was starting out. So, uh, swings and roundabouts perhaps.
0: And you know what have you been playing lately what games did you did you play tears of the kingdom did you like what what's what have you <laughs> what have you been that, playing
1: I, I, I wish i wish honestly that that fell at um what we call crunch time so oh, okay. uh there's no chance whatsoever that i could uh yeah sack off 100 hours of my life at that point unfortunately and then you know, what's like, you know, new, new cycles pass and then I, I kind of skipped, it, skipped over it. And so I, at the moment I've actually been playing, um, uh, I, I'm massive kind of horror fan. So um, uh, the new um, Project Zero game, or Fatal Frame as it will be called um, in the US, um, Mask of the Lunar Eclipse is what I've been playing recently. Okay. I think I needed something something else after three years of uh, Disney. and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I, stuff, give me the most terrifying game on the market at the moment. So that's that's what I've been playing recently. And then yeah. before that, um, obviously Illusion Island, I wanted to see 100% because um, I hadn't played it in a very long time since, you know, kind of development. And even then it was earlier yeah. version of the game. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that was super fun to see it come to life. And also I feel like you... <laughs> you hear things differently when you kind of experience it in context. It's almost Absolutely. like, yeah, it's almost like um, on the same level as when you hear a, a piece of music go from being a demo to something which is brought to life by an orchestra or by a live band or something. It just it, it completely changes the way that you hear the music. And I, I felt like that when I experienced it kind of with the game playing at home as well. So that was that was a really nice experience.
0: Awesome. Um,
1: but yeah, other than that, uh, old school games. To be honest, Emily, like I've, yeah. I've been on my ret- I've been on my retro uh, trail since nice. uh, I had to play all these games for research and stuff, and then I just turned into a bit of a, a kind of uh, Mega Drive collector and hoarder. So I've got like sixty uh, Sega games uh, now that I just got massively into and play for fun. But I, yes. it also means I have a massive backlog of games which have actually been made this year uh, that mm-hmm. I should work for at some point. But. Yeah. How are you? Have you been going to Google lately?
0: Uh, I've been Zelda ing, and then I've been very addicted to Oxenfree and Oxenfree 2 since Oxenfree 2 oh, just sure came, out.
2: came out. Oh, uh, yep, yeah. yep.
0: I just did, I just interviewed Andy about those, both of those yesterday. Oh, amazing. So, yeah. yeah, I've just been, I love those games so much. So, I've been playing a lot of those the last few weeks. Um, okay. And then I do dabble with Destiny still. I have, ever since it came out, I've kind of had a love hate, on again, off again relationship with that game. Um, but I'm, I'm intrigued by Baldur's Gate 3. Yes, That is a possibility, but also Armored Core is coming out. And I've never played an Armored Core game, but I guess this one is amazing. So I'm, that's at the, that comes out at the end of the month on like the 25th, I think or something like that. So, and I just did, I mean, I don't know if you played Elden Ring but I just oh. lost so much Love. of my life.
1: I mean, yeah, Years. I, had like, uh, I think 140 hours on it. Um, oh man,
0: yeah, at and least. I,
1: I literally did everything, every, every single boss I, yeah.
0: I didn't. Yeah, I got stuck at one point, and then by that point, I I was on to something else and didn't go back to it. So I feel like if I went back to it now, I'd have to start over. I just wouldn't even know. Oh, I wouldn't even yeah, know. Yeah. But it, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I I loved I loved that game, and you know they they they're oh, the sorry. Armored Core that it's from Software. So I'm just interested to see. Oh really? Oh okay. Yeah yeah. So yeah. Um, you know I don't know. I'm. Uh, we'll see if I pick that up on launch day. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's oh man, yeah, I don't know. And now Disney. Now I'm, play- now I'm play. Now I'm going to play Illusion Island, of course, because I loved it. <laughs> and oh, amazing. I'm glad you had fun. Yeah, I mean, I I love a low stakes. <laughs> yeah low x yeah. platformer you know i mean because it's just it's adorable it, the it animations are great
2: right? it's literally one of the exactly. seven points so exactly uh, yep you know. and i want to collect
0: <laughs> like the first time i found a hidden area i'm like well i'm hooked i want to find yeah. all the hidden areas and all the cards and all the memorabilia, yeah. all the things so wow. yeah i love it yeah, i love it no, um, me too yeah i have to get them all Yep. And then, uh, well, let's go ahead and talk about that main theme then. Um, you know, just beautiful, sweeping melody and um, very uplifting. And and I love how it starts. Is that celesta at the beginning? That's right. Yeah. Yep. But love I, it.
1: Um, stuck a, I, I was a real philistine about it and just stuck a delay over it. So it sounds a bit a bit spacey and weird. um <laughs> great. Sort of classical. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I just felt, you know, well, well, well how better to set the tone of a start of a magical journey than uh, with a bit of Celeste? So, yeah. <laughs>
0: You know, you mentioned that I think you said Forgotten Farmlands was the first track you wrote. When yeah. did the main yeah. theme come around? How did that, or, you know, the title screen, the, you know, however you want to frame it.
1: Um, I uh, I've just realized that I lied about Forgotten Farmlands because this definitely did come first, so that wasn't... Oh. <laughs> the-
0: <laughs> well, we're it correcting been, it now. It
1: might have been, I know, it might have been the first piece that I submitted to disney i think maybe that's why uh, I think, because we okay. had had this theme and it wasn't fun and cartoony it was kind of big and emotional and magical and um i i just felt like for the kind of scale of the adventure um that i knew the Lala were aiming to create it needed a a big theme and I, I just thought how nice it would be just to have like a really kind of strong classic kind of you know 90s sounding yeah. um, adventure theme to kick the game off and then we can go kind of fun and cartoony and you know lighten the tone and, and what have you but um so yeah we thought it was wise that we didn't like so everyone in the studio really liked it but we were obviously collaborating um with disney as partners for the first time so it was really important that um they trusted and felt confident with what i was producing as well so i thought it would probably behoove us not to lead with the thing which is pushing the boundaries of the brief and maybe go with something a bit safer which is when I wrote Forgotten Farmland as a please trust me that I won't mess this game up for you kind of uh, pitch and uh, once I got my foot in the door with that then uh, we sort of I think we probably submitted one or two other tracks after that so I would definitely remember the library it was another very early piece that I wrote. roots i think they were the first three that we submitted and once we kind of built up that trust and relationship then we had a bit more confidence to be like what do you think about this as a theme and then full credit to them they, they were you know very very kind and open-minded to you know consider something a bit different uh, i'm really glad they did though because it, it does just set things up really nicely and um it's a bit different to the rest of the school, but i really like it
0: soundtrack are you getting a soundtrack release
1: yes it's actually being released on um via uh, walt disney music which is absolutely insane um wow. so, <laughs> yeah um so yeah no, no, that was super exciting because um i don't think um disney interactive certainly for a period of time uh, really did soundtrack releases alongside the game so it was um mm-hmm. very um very flattering um that they We'll, we'll f- felt strongly enough about the material to want to actually kind of put it out as an official release so yeah, um, yeah I think that's available on all digital um, spaces now and um, oh, great. P- potenti- potentially vinyl down the line but we'll see
2: oh
0: nice yeah, well, it's like, good it would to be cool to have it Wall. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's out there now on you know nice. the places Spotify Bandcamp oh. All the big ones, yeah. Okay. Is it on Bandcamp?
1: No, Bandcamp, but uh, Spotify, okay. Apple Music, Amazon, so on and so okay. forth, yeah.
0: What more do you want to say about the experience? I mean, what other types of directions were you able to go musically? Um,
1: all sorts, to be honest. It's quite a varied score in places. I'd say there's probably three, um, three main uh, musical areas that we keep coming back to. So you've got your stuff like Forgotten Fireman's in the library, which is you know very much about just capturing the, the, the beauty of the environment and the sense of joy that we want the player to... Feel whilst traversing through it, really dialing us into that kind of classic cartoon, uh, old school sounds uh then i'd say the next main factor is the um it's as close to combat music as we go but you know, the boss the boss fights so the boss themes we've got these really big bombastic arrangements for those where we pick the pace up and uh, go much kind of heavier with the orchestrations and um they're a lot of fun to do they're probably the hardest pieces for me just because there's so many it's just so notey um yeah. writing at such a quicker tempo to kind of keep the pace of the action going it, it just requires sort of three tracks worth of ideas just to fill one piece of music and Mm. um, I I found those very challenging but very rewarding when you come to the end of them and to hear live was just Mm. the most fun (laughs) thing in the world. We recorded it all in the room uh, together rather than stemming out because we wanted it to you know have that authentic sound as i mentioned earlier oh, so wow hearing them all together you didn't have to use any imagination at all it, it you know you were just getting that larger than life sound at the time nice. and it was um that was very very cool and then uh the third element that goes into it is the so art's workshop would be one example of the kind of um sort of slightly slightly darker um, style still still very very playful but um you know more we, we use a minor key as we mentioned beforehand <laughs> <and>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's other tracks like uh deep roots and service tunnels you know and they all have these these kind of you know um sneaky kind of um haunted house type vibe to them Uh, which was a ton of fun to do because you know I, I just love um, all things kind of Halloween and uh, uh, horror and stuff so it was really nice yeah. to tap into that kind of thing so I'd say they're the kind of three core elements um, of the game musically speaking and then you know it, there's obviously tracks which um, sort of balance between all of them and some are a little bit more in one direction than another and so on and so forth so it's a pretty varied score um, throughout but I'd say they're the main kind of corner points that we, we come back to more often than not
0: have you ever scored a horror game?
1: Uh, I'm scoring my first one as we speak. Really? Moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> finally, finally got one.
0: Are you happy yeah, about that? Death like, Ground. it's called what? Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's called Death Ground. It's a oh, um, the va- the the vampire the uh, dinosaur one. Dinosaur. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut <laughs> up! Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, that's with the guys who did um, Cube Two um, that I worked on. Um, oh, okay, they very kindly uh, brought me back for that as they knew how much of a horror obsessive I am. So I love it. Um, yeah, that, that oh, so, so much fun and such a nice palate cleanser as well. For you know, if you get mm. a bit a bit uh, Disneyed out, you could just go and uh, <laughs> right write to some raptors tearing someone up, and then yeah. you know. <laughs> And then vice versa as well. When you start to get a bit too galled out, you can go back in. Yep. Yeah, nice. Yeah. When
0: does when does it come out? Death Ground, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm not sure. To be, it's probably going to be uh, 2024. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, not not immediately because we're still um, very much in development uh, okay. currently. But um okay. yeah, sometime next year I would have thought.
0: Okay. Well, there you go. There's our excuse for next time to, <laughs> yeah. to have a chat. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, what else? Are you working on other stuff that you can talk about? Or are, are you just yeah, holding I, secrets I mean, right it's, now? It's big, or, okay. No, no.
1: It's a good time to chat to me because I'm like basically at the end of all of my kind of everything that I've been working on for the past three years is now kind of at a point where it's all nice. been announced and I can actually talk about it. So it's, okay. it's quite a rare moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so um, the other main thing that I've been working on is a game called Lunar Abyss, which is um, a Dark narrative-driven sort of sci-fi is it is a FPS, um, but it has a lot of uh, platforming elements to it, a lot of uh, puzzle solving, and a a really strong kind of narrative focus. It's um, Mm. quite sort of um, I say the main influences on it were uh, Black Mirror, the TV show, and Mm. uh, sort of uh, some certain um, like quite dark animes like uh, Blame and it's a really striking art style so that was a ton of fun to write for um it was also my first time ever working with choir um oh cool uh yeah we wanted to have this kind of um gothic uh almost sort of gregorian uh element to uh even though you've got like these quite you know uh, sci-fi so in a way it feels futuristic but it also feels kind of very um all organic and um with its roots in history at the same time so again i guess similar conceptually to what i was trying to achieve with illusion island we, we've kind of got this um nice contrast of past meets present with it so we've got this sort of choral element which is really nice but then we're you know also kind of experimenting with you know cool cool synth sounds and uh all yeah. that good stuff that you know i love so yeah, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's going to be coming up next year as well
0: and you said you worked on Disney, the Illusion Island for three about three years, so that was like pandemic time. Yeah, times. yeah right. I think it
1: was funny yeah. when I was first brought on to that. So okay. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been a long time, long yeah. time in the works. Yeah. yeah, took me that long to learn how to write it. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I oh, can't wait to you, get man. back to the game, was loving it. I'm going to try and uh, finagle some of my other Switch friends into getting it so I can yeah, uh, do the co-op stuff because it, it just seems, seems great. And uh, what, what I've played so far has been enjoyable and, and the music's yeah, great. Yeah. So thanks so oh, much. Oh, you're very kind. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It was really great to chat with you again, David. <laughs> yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Is there anything else you want to say before I hit stop?
1: The, the only other thing I was gonna say is that I I had to do like uh, I had to do like a couple of research trips to Disneyland when I was um, making the game and
0: Disneyland that, or Disney World did you go to Disneyland Oh no I know so it's like Paris is like the closest one. Uh, oh, to, Euro yeah. Disney
1: oh. That's right Yeah but I did I did go to um, uh, the one in California as well when I was Land. over for the um, yep.
2: mm-hmm.
1: twenty three um, uh, conference. Um so that was amazing. But yeah, what was really interesting is um it's almost like uh interactive music in real life the way that they they set things up in the park. So I I knew that visually they were massively uh, the studio were massively influenced by the Disneyland design and like those maps and books were actually used as kind of study text for them when they were designing the world of Monarch. But what I didn't realize is just just how similar the the way the music works is to video game design as well. Mm -hmm. So my brief was obviously to make it feel like you were walking around Disneyland. So I took it by myself to walk around Disneyland to see what that felt like. But it was really interesting because I I noticed that um, the way that one track just sort of seamlessly bleeds into another as you make your way through the different areas. It's exactly the same way as I would have looked to set it up in a game, although... Obviously here it's achieved via speaker proximity to the respective area rather than crossfading multiple layers together in Ys <laughs> to achieve an effect. But it's very much the same principles at hand. And that was mm-hmm. like fascinating to me, just seeing these kind of design principles um, cross over. So I actually took a lot from that into the implementation of the music in the game as well, which was oh, um, cool. super fun. But yeah. Sorry for another day. <laughs> did you did you do
0: much implementation, or did, did an audio team do that?
1: Oh, so, yeah. I don't want to misrepresent my the level of my involvement. No. In all. terms of physically plugging in music into yeah. the game, that never something that I do because I don't want to uh, break anything. But in terms <laughs> of uh, the uh, kind of designing the music system and um, conceptualizing how things should perform in real time that's yeah 100% um, yeah. you know that, that's, that's okay. on me and normally I'll collaborate with um, either the sound designer or the uh, audio programmer uh, mm-hmm. on the team in terms of how to how to achieve what I would consider to be the perfect vision for it and then um, we, we go from there really and then it's just an iterative pro- process of going back and forth and play testing once things are in there until you get it feeling just how you want it to um, mm-hmm. so it's definitely a team effort
0: Yeah. And what do you think about the, you know, soundtrack creation process? I love to hear what composers think of that because it's a completely different way than what your music was supposed to be for, right?
1: Yeah. No, definitely. Um, Well, for me, it's actually super easy um, because (laughs) I would say I probably tend to write the soundtrack arrangement first and then have to figure out how to get that to work in the game.
2: (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay, now okay.
1: vice versa. Yeah. So I can completely understand how um, another composer would probably find this aspect of, of it um, a little bit frustrating if if you'd compose literally with the system in mind, but I never do that. I always oh, okay. um, write the piece of music that I feel needs to represent the um, emotion or what we want the player to be feeling at that given time. And then I sort of retrospectively figure out how I can make it work within the parameters that we set up um, uh, for the music system. So when it comes to doing soundtrack arrangements, it's normally just a case of picking what I originally wrote and (laughs) slapping it on there. Um, But I'm also very conscious of kind of listeners' uh, interest and attention span. And I feel like an album should be, you know, something in the region of 60 60 minutes. And I don't really think um, many people want to be hearing a sort of seven or eight minute, uh, tracks so i normally try to make sure that i my arrangements are no longer than three to four minutes max mm. um mm-hmm. uh, yeah I try, I try to make it as palatable and uh as, as album-like as possible really you know it's what i would expect if i was buying an album um and that's essentially what we're creating here so mm-hmm. i try not to be too self-indulgent with it and um you know uh, the phrase kill your darlings is something which i definitely apply a lot of in my in my work i i don't mm-hmm. think it pays to be too too attached to, um, what you do, you should always try and, try and think about, um, the music from someone else's perspective and how they'd be feeling, um, listening to it rather than, um, you know, fulfilling your own, uh, your own creative desires.
0: (laughs) For sure. For sure. Well, David, always a pleasure. And I'm so glad that, uh, you know, and it's not like there weren't, there were projects in the past that we didn't discuss but uh, i'm looking forward to the new ones coming up and
1: yes definitely
0: maybe i'll uh dig up some of those uh, older ones too in future conversations and we can yeah that'd be great do some piggybacking yeah, sure. be great. yeah we should definitely yeah.
1: chat about uh death ground if nothing else. oh my god i i mean i nerd out.
0: i saw a little clip of play and i was just like nope <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, nope, That's nope, What we're going for? Very oh, good. Mission good. Yeah, mission accomplished. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, awesome. But we'll talk about it. I look forward to it. Yeah, thanks sure. so, thanks so much, David.
1: Yeah. Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Level with Emily. You can learn more about David Hausden, see a playlist and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of my chat with David on the Level with Emily YouTube channel and please subscribe and get notifications, all of those things, so you don't miss any of our new YouTube videos I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hello. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Level with Emily, and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media, Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.